0: so you can make your creative dreams possible. Go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level to learn more and enroll now. Enrollments are open for only a short time. So please, if you're interested and you're ready to take your interiors to the next level, go to nataliewalton.com forward slash next level. Welcome to Imprint with Natalie Walton, a podcast about creating a life you love. This is episode five. Today marks the official release of my book, Still the Slow Home, all around the world. So you can now buy it in North and South America, as well as Europe, Asia, and beyond. Thank you to everyone who has pre ordered the book or bought it in these first early weeks within Australia. And I wanted to say a special thank you to anyone who's a bookseller or small independent shop, both retail and online. Your support is so important and plays such a big role in getting the book out into the world. So a big, big thank you. I hope that one day I can repay the favour in some small way and perhaps come and meet you, sign some books or host events in your stores. Certainly within Australia, it feels as if the light is approaching. So let's hold on to that hope. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today on Imprint. My name is Natalie Walton and I'm recording from my home. My children are now officially at school. Their school has opened and it was I think a welcome relief for all of us. So they were so excited to get back and see their friends and my husband and I were so happy to be able to just be able to do something simple like go for a walk together. So it's been something that we have been heightened to you know, gratitude and feeling so grateful that we're able to do that. I know that the situation isn't quite there in the rest of the world, but hopefully we're all getting a little closer. So this is the fifth episode of the podcast, which feels like a mini milestone. I know that it's a very small number still, but every journey involves taking a series of small steps. And that's really what each episode feels like. One more step of learning, experience, and hopefully connection. So today I thought it might be interesting to share some of the lessons that I've learned about Instagram. It's a question that came up in a Facebook Live session the other day with my students in the Styling Masterclass. The actual question was about someone who had a personal account but wanted to know if they should set up another account just for work. They were interested in doing more styling work as well as interior design, so they didn't know if they should keep them separate or not. And the answer really, for any of you who might have this question, it really comes down to you and your personality and what you want to get out of Instagram. Because I truly believe that there is no one right way. That really is the biggest lesson that I've learned in regards to Instagram. There are so many people who say that you have to do it this way. You have to create posts that start conversations. You have to have a color theme or good quality photos and use hashtags. There's just so much information out there. And while there is a lot of truth in all of that, None of it will work if it's not authentic and representative of you and what you're really passionate about. And so you really have to think about what you want to get out of Instagram. Do you just want to connect with like-minded people? I know that lots of people just Go on Instagram, and they just share photos of their family and their kids, and they like connecting with other parents or, or mothers. Or either you know, they might have a particular interest. Perhaps they're really into food or fitness or well-being, and so they just reach out to other people in those particular communities online. and And it's nothing to do with making money or reaching an audience, but they just enjoy that connection with like-minded people. And it really is one of the best features of Instagram. I feel in many, many ways but you might also want to reach out to potential clients. You might have a product or service that you want to sell. And of course, Instagram is such a great tool for so many businesses. So it's something that can be very powerful and it's really great if you're very mindful about the way that you use it. But I do think that we always need to look back to this central question of who you are and what you're trying to share with the world and why it's important. So today I'm going to share some of the big lessons that I've learned in relation to Instagram. Many of them do come back to this core idea, but there's some other little gems, hopefully, that you'll find them that way um, that I'm going to share with you. And I think that it'll be really interesting as well if you could perhaps share with me what you've learned, because that's the thing. We all have such different experiences with this medium and we're all at different stages in our journey. So, and it keeps changing as well. I mean, that's the other kind of constant, I guess, in a way about Instagram is that it's always introducing new features. And so I've been talking to about Instagram to my students in the styling masterclass for nearly two years now. And it keeps evolving. I mean, IGTV has become more and more popular. Video is a huge element of Instagram now. And there's all these other layers that it really engages people to stay up to date and in tune with what it wants its audience to do. Because obviously, Instagram has got its own agenda as well. So as I said, the first and the biggest lesson is that you have to create a feed or an account that feels really true to you. Because I really think that, let's just take the example of interior feeds. There is no one hard and fast rule. Now, I can see there are some Instagram accounts out there that are purely about regramming other people's works. So they are focused on just basically finding beautiful images. They tend to be around a particular look or an aesthetic and they're very much focused on that. Now these feeds can actually get huge followings because they look so beautiful. I mean it's quite easy really to just go out and find a bunch of images that are beautiful and of course they credit them and they might provide information about them but that is what it is. It's it's all about that. So the, the problem with those types of feed though is that they can become hungry beasts and how do you feed them? I mean, obviously you can just keep finding the images, but how is that going to pay for your time? I mean, it can take a lot of time to find all of these images. And so you've got to ask yourself, well, what do you want to get out of this? Because people can come to you and know that you're able to find certain images but how is that going to translate to your particular service, and can you deliver on that as well? I mean, it's one thing to find images that are very um, using, you know, materials that are very expensive or highly specified in in various ways, but can you actually create that for your clients? Do your potential clients have that kind of money? So there are lots of factors that come into that, and so it's really important that if you're just regramming other people's images, that are you do you have the skill level to recreate that for people? And is that what you're actually interested in? So it can be, it can seem like a very easy way to get followers very fast, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those accounts are a way to sell a product or service because they can actually seem quite divorced from each other. So be really conscious of that. There are other feeds out there that are highly curated. So these are feeds that they are beautifully shot. The stylist, or it might even be a photographer, they obviously have a very strong sense of their own aesthetic. They have a very consistent color palette. They Every inner image is, is just something that's beautiful. There's a nice rhythm within the feed. And actually that was something that I was saying to my students as well um, this morning was that, in many ways, the elements that create a beautiful interior are the same elements that create a beautiful Instagram feed. And it's all about this idea of having rhythm and also repetition, but having unity and harmony within the feed as well so that everything feels consistent. So it's nice when feeds have, you know, there might have some shots that are more pulled back, but then something that's more detailed, a balance of negative space as well as you know, positive space as well. So all of those elements that go into creating an interior are very much, in many ways, what goes into creating a beautiful feed. You need to have that balance as well as the rhythm within the feed. So some are really highly curated, and I know that there are some feeds that I look at like that. I mean, Cara Roseland is someone that I always think of. It's it's so beautiful what she creates, and and I get such pleasure from looking at her feed. And I know that she's obviously been very intentional with what she shares and there's no messiness there's no sort of um you know behind too much real life behind the scenes, like even her Instagram stories, even though that that's part of her life, it's 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 the beautiful part of her life. And there is nothing wrong with that. And this is actually what Emma Lane touched on in the last episode, episode four, was that she really wants her feed, which is Emma L. Lane. Um, and also she's got her feed for the range. She really wants them to be beautiful because that's important to her. And there's nothing wrong with that, but you've got to really tap into, does that feel true for you? Because if you're somebody who is maybe, you know, a little bit more, um, well, I was going to say relaxed, but that sort of makes it sound like they're not relaxed. But, you know, if you sort of live in the moment, perhaps a little bit more, then that's not going to resonate with you. So you really need to embrace what feels right for you. Now there are also other Instagram feeds. By this, the one that I think of is Simone Harg, who's an interior stylist based in Melbourne, and she's got quite a popular feed. People, um, you know, she's done really well in terms of does beautiful work. But her feed is such a mixed bag. and But it I feel like it really represents her. So some of it is more about fashion. Some of it is about what she's inspired by. Some of it is her very high-end work. And then you have other shots. Like there was one the other day and it was her dog. She's got this massive Great Dane dog. And it was sprawled over the, so- the sofa. The lighting wasn't great. I think it was taken at night. So it wasn't like a perfect photo. But it was very real for her. And it was very much about what she liked. So... You know, this idea that everything has to be perfect, everything has to be curated. If that's not you, then you don't have to do that. You've got to be true to who you are and people really resonate with her feed. You know, there are some people who say you shouldn't share more than one photo a day. I mean, other people, they share many. It it really comes down to you and what feels right for you and how you live your life. I mean, if you don't have time to do that, you don't need to feel committed to it. So there are very many different ways that you can approach how you share your work or your inspirations or your ideas on Instagram there isn't one way and even though you know there's all these guides and so on you really have to stay in tune with who you are which comes to number two which is to be really clear on your vision so this really helps you with your decision making for everything else It's this idea of being clear about why are you on Instagram? Is it just to connect with your like-minded people? Or do you want to use this as a tool for your business or your service? Now, if you want to use this as a tool, then again, connect in with what you actually enjoy doing, what you feel passionate about, and what you're trying to essentially sell as well. I know that selling is such a dirty word and none of us really like to do it, but it is a part of what we you know, have to do if we want to stay a viable business. So there are different ways that you can do that. I mean, obviously it's about educating your potential customer customer about what you're capable of or what you can offer or the type of branding that you want to present to the world. So it's really important to be very clear on what your vision is for your Instagram feed, and you don't have to sort of put yourself in a straitjacket over this. You can have some freedom with it, but I think being intentional is always going to serve you well. The third thing that I would say about Instagram is that content is king. No matter what your strategy is, you really need to create strong content that engages with people, that makes them stop scrolling when they're sort of flicking through other people's feeds. What is going to captivate your ideal customer or your ideal client. And now this can mean different things to those people. It can mean beautiful images. It can mean engaging captions, or even for some people using quotes or memes. It really comes down to your personality, but also what is going to appeal to your ideal customer or client. I always admire... Um, Jodie Wilson from Practicing Simplicity, she takes these really beautiful photos and they're often inspired of nature. And, and in some ways, the photos themselves, even though they're really beautiful, they're quite simple. So it just might be grass in a field, but she writes the most beautiful captions that are really thoughtful and engaging and really draw you in as a, as a consumer, as somebody who is reading or coming. you might come across her feed. So, It doesn't mean that every image has to be something that's, you know, going to be like some kind of knockout thing that somebody has to save or, you know, be blown away by. But that combination of something that's done well, but also that the engaging element with her is often her captions which is not to negate her photography at all, but I just think that she is a really good example of somebody who writes captions that feel very authentic, but really interesting. And you read all the way through to the end. Well, certainly I always do. But you must always come back to representing you and your personal style and your journey or story. So, you know, that feels right for Jody and what's happening in her life right now, but you've got to connect with what's happening in your life right now. And certainly when I first started on Instagram, I was at this funny point that I was doing lots of styling and obviously I couldn't share my work because there was at that stage a uh, I, you know, too much of the behind the scenes that magazines very much wanted to have the exclusive, exclusivity on any kind of images. So I would just do these tiny little details of spaces because I knew that I couldn't. Um, Trump the magazine, you know they had to come up with the the story first in in the publication date. So I had to be really careful about that. And then there was all these funny issues about well the copyright and uh, you know it was a very grey area then. And I think it's sort of become a little bit different now. I mean, obviously in many ways, unfortunately, magazines are losing the the battle to Instagram. But um, but the the world has changed since then. But you have to adapt and kind of recognize what your situation is and be conscious of that and just share what you can of your story. And there are many, many ways that you can do that. And of course, if you're a creative, you just have to get your creative hat on and think how you can do it. So one of the questions that I often ask myself before I share a photo is, would I like it? Would I share it or would I save this photo? So it's a really good kind of test for yourself if you think that this particular image is inspiring in some way. Is it something that you would actually engage with if you saw it on somebody else's feed? It can be a tricky question to ask yourself because obviously we're so personally connected to it it's hard to sometimes get that perspective or that distance but it is still important to ask sometimes we can get so wrapped up in the moment of it that we don't always make those judgment calls so it is a good little few little questions to ask and I think also in relation to that have a look at the feeds that you follow and what do you like about them maybe think about the top 3 or 5 feeds that you really love and write down what it is that you love about it and which, which images of theirs have you liked or have you commented on and why so really get your mind into that you know that mindset about what it is that you love about other people's feeds then go back to yours and see Is that what I have? Do I have that? And that's not to say you have to copy their look, but really think about can you introduce that type of element into your own feed? just be aware of all of these elements too about what you don't like as well so think about you know have you stopped on following them and why was that was it something that you they shared and you didn't like it was it something that they wrote in a caption that put you off was it that they started to get too much of a hired sales pitch perhaps or you felt like they were maybe getting too repetitive or whatever reason it might be for you that you just feel like it just stopped resonating with you in some way. And again, just be aware of that. So number five is, I would say that you really want people to have a clear understanding of what you're about when they land on your feed. So the easiest way to do this is your top nine images. Do they really represent you, your style, your values, your aesthetic, and what your feed is essentially about and what you can offer to people? Or, you know, even if it's something to do with, you know, well-being or, you know, you just want to connect with like-minded people, but is that clear to other people that that's what you're interested in? So it's really important that those top nine, as much as possible, represent what you want your feed to be about. The other thing which can sometimes be overlooked is your actual bio. Sometimes people make this so esoteric that it's really hard to understand what on earth the feed is about. Um, I've certainly had this when I've looked at people's feed and I sort of think, well, it's beautiful, but what actually are they doing? Like, I don't really understand it. So you don't want to create any kind of confusion within people's minds. So be really clear in your bio about what you're about. And also, if you are setting up at a feed at the early stages, I mean, you can change your name at any point, um, but if you are at that initial stage, really think about the name that you use. Now, if it's not your personal name, mine is, it's just Natalie Walton. But if you have, for instance, a business, you want it to be easy for people to spell. There are some people that I have follow or businesses and I think, oh, what is it? It's like, it's got an underscore here, and or is it two underscores between each letter? It gets really, really confusing. And any time you put a barrier in between a potential customer and yourself, you're potentially losing business. So you really don't want to make it too hard for people to be able to spell your name, spell your business name, have too many complicated underscores and dashes and all of those things. Make it as simple as you can. And just a few other little things on that as well. It can sometimes help to include your geographic location, particularly if you're wanting to connect with people within your local area, if you're very much a local focus business. So again, that comes to why you're on Instagram and who you're trying to reach. I also want to say that, this is number six, you don't need to have a massive audience. There's really this huge misconception out there that you need to have a huge audience to be able to sell your business or get new clients or you know make a living out of what you love doing, and you really don't. There is a thousand true fans theory, I'm not sure if I've shared this with you before, but... Basically, it goes that you just need a 1,000 true fans. These are people who really love what you do and are happy to kind of follow your journey. And they just need to spend $100 each. And if you can get those 1,000 true fans to spend $100 on your product or service once a year, then you can make $100,000 a year. So when you break it down like that, it can seem less overwhelming to sort of think, oh, I need to have hundreds of thousands of followers. And this was an exercise that Lauren Charge and I did when we were hosting the hosted home workshop at her property, Salt at Shoal Bay. And it, this is something that can sometimes happen with business accounts versus more personal accounts. Now, I do actually have a business account, so I can see stats about my followers and, and all of the, that kind of information. But I mean, you know, obviously, Natalie Walton is more of a personal account versus uh, an Airbnb type business Um so people just love beautiful images. like I said in that early part of this podcast was that people it's so easy for people to just click on and follow feeds that are just about beautiful images. And certainly Lauren's Airbnb feed for salt at Shoal Bay, that's the the name of her feed is um it is really beautiful because she's created an amazing property and the images are really beautiful and she's very thoughtful about what she shares. But what's interesting is, at the time of this recording. So I think she's got about something like 64,000 followers and I think I've got about 32, something like that. And um, and even when we were doing the workshop, I had even less. I think at that stage I had about 25 and she maybe had about 50. And if you, we sort of did an analysis for everybody to show that the actual engagement on my posts was in many cases, much higher than the engagement on her posts, even though she had a much higher following. So I just say this to kind of reassure you, any of you out there who don't have massive followings, that it's not about the numbers. It's really about the engagement and the type of people that are really interested with what you do. Now, for Lauren, She's not overly focused on the numbers. To her, it's more important about the number of bookings. So it doesn't matter for her if, you know, not everyone's hugely engaging because she has enough bookings. Now, obviously COVID has changed all of that. And I'm sure that once the restrictions are lifted, she'll be doing amazing again because she is a very special person and I hope that one day she'll agree to be on this podcast. But I just share this because it's so easy to kind of get caught up in the metrics of numbers and it doesn't have to be about that. I mean, when I did my first course and I sold out, it was actually a workshop. Now, I had very small numbers because it was just at my own home, but I sold out within 24 hours and I, at that stage, I think I had something like 15,000 followers. So it wasn't a massive number of people who were following me, but it was enough for me to do a sellout workshop. And then I did my course and then that kept selling out. And again, each time I only had about like 15,000 and then maybe 17,000. And then it was a very, very slow climb Pretty much from like ten thousand to twenty, and then from ten, uh, sorry, twenty to thirty. Each of those climbs has been very, very slow. With the people who've kind of followed my journey, but I like to think, and I'm, I'm hoping that this is the case, that people who do follow my journey are actually not just following kind of mindlessly, but they're they're interested in hopefully what I have to share or you know, my journey or, or whatever it is that attracts people. So, um, it, which is the same that I have that with other people. So, it's just don't get caught up on the numbers. It's more about the level of engagement that you have with people. So, the seventh thing I would say is to be consistent and by this, what I'm talking about more than anything is to show up regularly. So, to... <laughs> It really doesn't help if you go on Instagram and you kind of like fire out a whole bunch of posts and then you're not on there again for two more months and then you sort of have a big session again. You really, it's, it's sort of like that slow and steady wins the race. So just try and show up. It doesn't have to be every day, but I think daily does help. And I think, it does help to be at the same time. I know that that certainly works for me. I know it just works for me from my own life point of view. You know, I don't like to sort of be one day I'm posting at this time and then the next post day I'm posting at another time. I just... I find that too erratic. I like to sort of be a little bit more consistent just in terms of how I live my life. But um, I think that other people, you know, they're often on at the same time every day. So to be online when your audience is online is really important as well. So and also to be consistent with the type of imagery that you share. So when, when I say this, I mean, obviously, I gave that example before about um, Simone Hug, who has, you know, inspiration images and then sort of images of her dog and so on. But these are all kind of consistent threads throughout her feed. But I would really avoid something that's Entirely random. That can really throw people, and people often don't know how to respond. So it's really being consistent with the type of images that you share and the type of posts that you share. Sometimes when people suddenly become very political, it's not to say that you can't be political on Instagram. But for some people, that feels very true for them. But at the same time, if you just kind of pull that completely out of the blue, then it can be very off putting to a lot of people as well. So just be really kind of mindful about people's expectations of what they have, of what they're going to get when they come onto your feed. And yes, a consistent palette does definitely help as well. But I think it's so easy to get caught up on it has to be all about the palette. When if you're not being authentic or you're not delivering value in some other way, then it's the palette's not going to save you. You know, you really need to be showing up and engaging with people in some consistent way, which comes to number 8. And I don't necessarily think that these are in um numerical order of importance, but certainly creating value is very important. So it could in many ways go higher, but it's you can create value through the images that you share. So you can be inspiring to people. You can even make people laugh. I mean, some people are hilarious. Um, I think it's Celeste Barber, the comedian. I mean, she has garnered such an incredible following on Instagram and people are so engaged with what she does and she just makes fun of herself and people love that. In this world where everyone seemingly takes themselves so seriously, she does such an amazing job of just being funny and making fun of herself and I think that resonates with people so deeply and she's such a point of difference and that is often the thing that makes people stand out on Instagram is that they are a point of difference. So that's the problem is that when you start to kind of follow other people's, you must do these 10 things to get on Instagram, even though I'm saying what's worked for me, but I'm not saying you have to do these things. I'm not saying it's all about this or all about the other. It's so easy to kind of get swamped with be these, um, you know, you must do different types of things. But really, it does come back to being authentic, being true to yourself and That is when you create a point of difference from everyone else that's out there. It's so easy to create a vanilla type feed that there's a million of those out there. So how are you going to stand out? How are you going to be different from anybody else? And this is just as true with your Instagram feed as your business or anything that you do in life. You can also create value through the captions that you write. So this can be a way of your educating people, you're being informative, you're helping them in some way, you're um, providing a sense of support or community or there's so making people laugh. I mean there's so many different ways that you can create value through your captions and you really need to find a way, as I said, to stand out amongst the noise. So one tip for that though is to really think about your ideal customer or client when you're writing your captions so the person who is perhaps the person you would most love to to buy your product or service or who you think it will appeal to then really write for them and keep them in mind when you're writing that is something that i kind of learned probably about 12 or 18 months ago was that for a long time I was just kind of sharing general things that I would find inspiring on my travels as a a stylist. But then when I started to introduce my courses, I realised that there were some people out there who really wanted to know more about my courses and obviously me And because I'm the teacher of them so they need to feel confident that I'm doing a good job or that I know what I'm talking about. So I really have to consider those potential people when I'm writing some of my captions I will say it is a very fine line sometimes between doing that and obviously you don't want to sound like it's too much of a sales pitch. And there are other times where it does just have to be a bit of a sales pitch. And, you know, I I really don't like doing that. But at the same time, it does work. It does answer the questions that many people have. And, you know, it's a way for me to earn a living doing what I really love. So sometimes we just have to bite that bullet and just do it. And there's nothing wrong with it. And, I do think it's a bit of a female-male thing as well. I'd be very interested to hear from anyone else if you've got any opinions on that. But also, I think that this is something that I think about a lot actually when I'm styling as well, is to create for your muse. Now, a muse, it can be someone that you've never met. It can be a real person or an imaginary person. And you're creating for somebody whose opinion matters a lot to you. And you know if you if you have somebody who you put up there on a pedestal and if they came across your feed and followed you or liked what you wrote or you know liked your image then that would make you feel really good then create for them that can really be something that pushes you along and really um takes your work and what you do to the next level and it's something that has been you know a an element of um art and writing for hundreds, if not thousands of years, this idea of creating for a muse. And it's actually a really great tool. So, Obviously, an important part of Instagram is to connect. That's number nine. So you really need to find your community online and engage with your people. And this is people who've got similar feeds to you. So that's something that I think is good to kind of be um, conscious of when you're creating is to think okay, well, who are the people that or the brands that I really love? And make sure that you follow them and leave comments on their feeds because if those people who follow them like your work, then they might come across and follow you. So that's something that you can do and really notice the people who, you know, people notice when you leave comments and you, you engage on their feed. And it's also a way that people can find you when they go down that rabbit hole on Instagram. It's also a good idea to use hashtags, but have a good mix. Don't just have all really big hashtags have some of the more smaller ones because that's you'll be higher up on the feed for those and obviously tag suppliers or um sites such as airbnb if you've got an airbnb tag also tourism feeds because they're always looking for really great content and there's also um projects like Instagram's weekend hashtag project. So you can create for those types of initiatives and tag your work. And that's another way that you can connect with like-minded people. So there's so many different ways that you can do it, but you really need to be active on there to get your name and your posts and your feed out into the world. So number 10 is community. So this really is about if somebody has made the time and the effort to follow you and even more than that, that they actually comment on your posts, it's, really just a sign of respect to, to acknowledge them and to respond back. And it's such a lovely way to create community. It's a way that you can enjoy what you do. And it's, it's such a lovely part of Instagram. So I I do think it's a good idea though, to actually respond to the comments as much as possible when you have just posted rather than kind of coming back to it a day or so later so that people can see that straight away. It really does create a beautiful relationship in line with that, to be really be active online once you're posted. So not just to respond to other people's comments, but then if you're going to be on Instagram, then go and sort of like and comment on other people's posts because then people might see that you're online at that time and come and see your feed. It has changed a little bit since the algorithm changed. Um, obviously now that's probably a couple of years ago, but when the feed was chronological, that was a huge element. But I do still think it's important to do. Share on stories as well and share that you've got a new post. Using IGTV, that is such a um, powerful way to get higher in the algorithm. Um, There are people who use it to great effect. Abigail Ahern is really great at using IGTV and also um, using video on your stories. Um, Maddie from Hutchison House has um, managed to get a, a really huge following. She doesn't actually have that many. Um, posts on her actual feed, but she has um, a huge following related to the, the big amount of content that she creates on her Instagram stories and how much she engages with her audience. So there are so many ways that you can do it. And that's what I'm saying. There is not one way, but you've got to do what feels right for you. So if you're quite you know, comfortable being in front of camera or doing little videos, then go for it. It's such a great way to engage with people. But likewise, if you don't feel comfortable doing that, then don't feel like you've got to force yourself. But I will say one thing that people do love to see a person behind a feed now I know that this is a something that a lot of people struggle with it is something that I struggled with for a very very long time if you go back in my feed you will see that I'm hardly there at all for many many years as a stylist I had the same profile photo for five years I remember I was like I really need to update this photo because it's five years old um So it was something that I struggled with for a long time, but I do know that people really respond when you become a real person to them. And so while it was so awkward at first to share photos of myself and even take them and sort of prop my phone up against some books or whatever I had to do, um, I, I did notice a difference that when I started to share more of myself that people really started to connect more and engage with my feed and it brought it to life and and then after a while you kind of get over yourself a little bit like it doesn't really nobody's going to care as much about that as what we care about it we can make it into such a big hurdle in our own mind but actually everybody else is more wrapped up in their own business to be worrying about whether you're posting a photo or not i think people like it but i think it's something that sometimes we can make into a bigger deal than what it actually needs to be. Now, I'm going to share, this is kind of like a number 11, but it doesn't necessarily have to be its own point. And it might be a bit controversial for some of you, but I actually think that you you don't always need to be on Instagram. Of course, it is a huge tool and it's a free marketing tool and it can be incredibly powerful for many, many businesses. But... There are also many other people I know out there who are not on Instagram at all or who are on there and never post and they are phenomenally successful within their own creative endeavors and it has nothing to do with Instagram. It's because they're focused on the work, they focus on their clients and they're just focused on their daily creative output and um, there are photographers that I know who very much fit into this. They're too busy working to be posting on Instagram all the time. So, you don't always need it, and don't worry if it's not for you, but try it and see what works for you. And certainly, it has made a huge difference to my business and for me to be able to get my courses out to people all around the world and sell my books. But it doesn't mean to say that you have to use Instagram. So, It can be an incredible time suck. And I think it's really important to be mindful about the amount of time that you do spend on there and to be really intentional. And I know people who set time limits, I sometimes kind of, I go through phases of doing that. You know, I do get a lot out of it as well. And I do enjoy the connection and the community, particularly right now. So you've got to really tap into what feels right for you and what feels true for you. So, and a final thing. I mean, this is just, it's a little bit obvious, but I think it's it's so important to remind ourselves of anything that we do is to just have fun and enjoy the process if it's a chore then people will sense that when you do something that you really love it comes through so really engage with the part of it that you enjoy the most. I'd really love to know what your experience has been with Instagram and what you've learned or what works for you or hasn't. So you can send me a message at Natalie Walton on Instagram and I've also set up a Facebook page for the podcast, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash imprint podcast and we continue the conversation there. Thank you so much for joining me today. Please, please don't forget to subscribe and rate and review the podcast, it means so much to me and it can really help other people who are like us find it and we can all continue this conversation together. And if you can spread the love on Instagram, that's a bonus and tell, of course, any friends that you might have who might enjoy this episode, let them know about it. You will find show notes for this episode over at nathaliewalton.com forward slash podcast followed by the episode number, including where you can find my books. Thank you to Jaeger Media for producing the podcast and the people of the Bundjalung Nation where it was recorded. I look forward to connecting again with you soon. I'm Natalie Walton and you've been listening to Imprint.